This day in sports history. It's March 2nd, and on this day in 2012, Bounty Gate was revealed, pulling the curtain back on a darker side of the NFL. ESPN's Adam Schefter was the first to report on this day that the league had found evidence of a bounty program run by the New Orleans Saints paying players out of a slush fund to injure opposing team players. Saints defensive coordinator Greg Williams organized the pool of money with upwards of 27 players involved in the scheme. The program was originally traced back to the 2009 NFC Championship game that involved the Saints and the Minnesota Vikings, but it stretched back even further. But in that 09 NFC title game, suspicion was raised. New Orleans won 31-28 in overtime. After the game, Vikings coach Brad Childress believed there was intention to hurt Vikings quarterback Brett Favre on more than 10 occasions. The owner of the Vikings, Ziggy Wilf, went to Commissioner Roger Goodell, accusing the Saints of intentionally trying to injure his players. In 2010, former Saints defensive coach Mike Cerullo tipped off the league that there was a program in place to pay players money for certain plays made during a game, pointing the finger at Williams as the ringmaster, but players were also involved in adding money and bounties to the pot. Anywhere between $1,000 to $2,000 was paid for knocking a player out of a regular season game and as much as $10,000 for taking a player out of a playoff game. Saints linebacker Jonathan Vilma offered ten grand to any player who knocked Favre out of the 09 NFC Championship game. Other players targeted by the Saints between 2009 and 2011 were Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton, Green Bay's Aaron Rodgers, San Francisco's Alex Smith and Kurt Warner of the Arizona Cardinals in the 09 playoffs. It wasn't just quarterbacks, though. Key players like receivers and running backs also had bounties on their heads. 49ers tight end Vernon Davis and wideout Michael Crabtree were mentioned by name in audio released in 2012 by a documentary filmmaker. Saints head coach Sean Payton knew about the program and attempted to cover it up during the NFL's investigation into the allegations. General Manager Mickey Loomis also had knowledge of it and even disregarded owner Tom Benson's directive to shut it down. Even Reggie Bush's agent, Michael Ornstein, was familiar with the program and actually contributed money to the pool. The allegations also were that Williams didn't start the program in New Orleans, but that he brought it with him from his time with Washington and the New York Giants in the early to mid-2000s. Williams said the bounty program has been in the NFL for decades, that it's not a new thing that he came up with. Goodell suspended Williams indefinitely in 2012, but he was reinstated in 2013 and hired by Tennessee. He has since spent time with the Rams, the Browns, and the Jets. He is currently coaching in Washington with the UFL's D.C. Defenders. Peyton was suspended for the entire 2012 season, Loomis was suspended for the first eight games of 2012, defensive assistant Joe Vitt for the first six games. The organization was fined half a million dollars and forfeited their second-round draft picks in 2012 and 2013. The players, linebackers Jonathan Vilma and Scott Fujita, along with defensive ends Anthony Hargrove and Will Smith, were suspended from between three and 16 games, with Vilma's penalty the heftiest. Prior to the start of the season, the suspensions were overturned, but were then reinstated in October, only to be overturned again in December. 
So, what the draw from this scandal? Well, was it like Williams said and that programs like this existed all around the league for decades? Two of the supposed targets, Favre and Kurt Warner, thought so, and they weren't really shocked or upset by the findings. And also, if there was a bounty gate system in place to injure players and the players themselves believed it to be there, would the statistics prove more injuries were caused by Saints players in 09, 10, and 11? Well, they don't exactly show that. In 09, less than one opposing player was injured during a game with the Saints when the league average was right at two per game. In 2010 and 2011, they were statistically average in the NFL when the numbers were crunched. So while maybe not as injurious as initially thought, it was still shocking to learn about this shadowy side of professional football on this date in 2012. Also on this day, in 1974, the 7th-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels erased an 8-point deficit in the final 17 seconds of the game against unranked Duke to tie it and send it into overtime. Walter Davis banked in a 30-foot game-tying shot as time expired in regulation to send it to OT. Now, this was before the three-point shot, obviously, or that long-range prayer would have won it for the Heels. No worries. The Tar Heels won 96-92 in OT. And in 1962, this is the day that Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in an NBA game as the Philadelphia Warriors beat the New York Knicks 169-147. Wilt had 41 at halftime, which was not that unusual for him that season since he typically scored in the mid-30s through the first two quarters. It wasn't until they were about to go back out to play the second half that Philly's coaches decided to let Wilt loose and see how many he could score. He had 69 through 3, and with 8 minutes to play, still needed 25 to get to 100. All team play went out the window, and every player was intent on getting Wilt the ball. With 43 seconds left in the game, Chamberlain hit his final bucket, giving him triple digits for the game. And today's non-sports did you know? The Eiffel Tower gets up to six inches taller in the summer. That's all for today. I'll have more tomorrow on This Day in Sports History. This has been an original Thrive Suite production.